1: interested in the the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church.
0: The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature.
1: What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man,
0: The gospel never tells us something to do. The
1: gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. I'm Colleen Sharp, and my co-host is Rachel Miller. And this is going to be part two of our series on Federal Vision. All of what we're doing right now fits into what we started two weeks ago or three weeks ago now, when we talked about the creeds and the importance of the essential doctrines of the Christian faith. And in future weeks, I'm not sure how far down the road, we are going to be talking about things like antinomianism and um, some other things that fit in with this topic. So last week... We talked about what is federal vision and how federal vision differs from historic reform theology, from confessional reform theology. And we're going to get into a little bit more practical and responses to common things that are often said, and is federal vision even an issue anymore? Does it um, have anything to do with Baptists? And So Rachel, why don't you start with kind of a, a summary? of um federal vision and some of what we're talking about here
0: so when we talk about federal vision and what it is uh we're talking about a a redefinition of the covenant of works and the covenant of grace so that there is not they don't distinguish between the law and the gospel that there is a uh denial of um the visible and invisible church distinction. There is a redefinition of baptism so that baptism uh, unites everyone who is baptized to Christ and that includes the benefits of, of, of having a union with Christ, including forgiveness of sins, uh, but it is possible to lose it. Uh, it redefines justification because then justification is just the forgiveness of sins, the initial step. Um, but it not the, the full salvation that we talked about, justified, saved by by faith alone. Um, it adds works into justification by talking about covenant faithfulness. So this is, redefines the, the the very definition of faith. It undermines and redefines both perseverance and uh, the assurance that we should have of our faith because to persevere, to, to, to be saved at the last day. Um, it requires a, a covenant faithfulness through your life. Those are the works that you do in your life uh, justify you in that way. So, it's faith plus works. And each of these things are a redefinition of the, um, and a departure from the historic Reformed teachings on each of these issues. Uh, One of the articles that we'll quote says that reformed believers need to be made aware that this Auburn paradigm, that's his word for federal vision teaching, is a radical departure from the reformed faith. It is not a refining of reformed doctrine, but rather a rejection of confessional orthodoxy in favor of a sacramentalist, Arminian, and Romanizing concepts. It is heretical because it strikes at the very heart of Reformed theology, the doctrines of the atonement, and justification by faith alone.
1: I think this is probably the most important thing that we're going to talk about here is that federal vision is a threat to the gospel. And I love something that R.C. Sproul said before the PCA 35th General Assembly. He's And we know what a hero in the faith that R.C. Sproul was and the things he stood up for. Um, We've heard the stories of in the 90s when he stood against the evangelicals and Catholics together and has long um, been one that has stood firm on the gospel. And he says, I can't fathom why there's any hesitancy about rejecting federal vision. There's too much at stake. This is the gospel we're talking about. So oftentimes in today's world, we'll hear people say, this is a gospel issue, and they'll call things gospel issues, which are not gospel issues, but this is a gospel issue. I'm going to read something from R. Scott Clark. According to the Reformed understanding of scripture, Jesus has kept the law for all of his people, fulfilling the promise he made to his father. Christ's obedience in fulfilling Adam's duty is the basis for God's declaration to and about all those who trust in christ alone and in his finished work you are righteous that's good news and that's the biblical covenant theology and doctrine of justification the covenant of grace isn't just another covenant of works with a little grace drizzled on top no the covenant of grace is really gracious it's free you can't earn anything with god it's unconditional In justification, faith isn't trusting and obeying. It's only trusting in Christ and in his finished work for sinners. Yes, we must obey God's law, but we do so by grace and out of gratitude and only as evidence of the new life that God has given us in Christ by grace. And he looks to the Heidelberg Catechism, questions 86-129. If we don't get our covenant theology and our doctrine of justification right, however, we have no basis for a Christian life, and we will find ourselves trapped again in the very sort of legalism from which the Reformation, and before then the Apostle Paul, set us free. Just reading that, and I've read that before from this article from him, just gives me so much comfort. And I I was thinking back to when we were researching for a book from somebody holds to a form of federal vision and how even though I know the truth, I felt crushed just reading it. And I hope that that will be a reminder, even though we're talking about things that may s- seem discouraging, just the reminder that we look to Christ. And then from the joint declaration, they actually say, we deny that faithfulness to the gospel message requires any particular doctoral formation of the imputation of the act of obedience of Christ and I talked about that last week they they don't think that a belief in the imputation of Christ's act of obedience is necessary so sometimes we'll hear that a proponent over here says oh I believe in the imputation of Christ's act of obedience but and that's Doug Wilson says that I believe in the Covenant of works I believe in the imputation of Christ's act of obedience but at the same time he says he also, Believes what he signed off on in the Joint Declaration, that belief in the imputation of Christ's act of obedience is not necessary. You know these these Reformed
0: beliefs about
1: salvation
0: by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone. This is our our heritage as as Reformed believers. This is what our ancestors fought and died for. Right. So when we give it up to go back to um you know catholic type views of salvation um and justification and baptism and works we are giving up our heritage we're giving up our assurance and it will damage us and others and our churches if we do so
1: you know i've been when i go to my doctor's office for these treatments um i can watch Uh, Amazon Prime or Netflix, and not a lot of shows on there that I watch. And so I've been watching Reformation documentaries. There's quite a few on there, especially Amazon Prime. And it's just really struck me that, that there were men who were willing to die for the purity of the gospel. And, I mean, even Luther, if you hear his story, he knew that saying, I won't retract my teachings and my books and my writings, he knew that meant he could be killed, that he would be considered a heretic by the Catholic Church. And we don't really have those opportunities today. We're not going to be burned at the stake for standing up for the gospel. But in the last few weeks, especially, and even longer than that, I've been really paying attention to what people will say. Uh, when you bring up federal vision. And there's people that say, I'm not federal vision, but then they defend Doug Wilson or another proponent of federal vision. And there's just some common things that they they will say. And so we wrote some of those things down and we just want to respond to them. And I'll, I'll start with the first one and let you respond, Rachel. Federal vision is just a Presbyterian problem. In fact, I even remember John Piper in a video with Wilson saying something similar, so is it just a Presbyterian problem?
0: No, it's not a Presbyterian. Just a Presbyterian problem. Uh, in fact, in some of the more recent discussions, there have been, um, you know, there's a lot of back and forth between Confessionally Reformed and, and some Baptists about, well, that's just you know, Federal Vision is a Presbyterian problem. It doesn't really bother us. We don't. It, it's not. We don't need to get into the, into this. But back in 2004. When, uh, you know, two years after the Auburn Avenue conference, the first one, James White wrote about Federal Vision. And what he said was, while Federal Vision folks say Reformed Baptists are not precluded from the camp, so to speak, it's pretty hard to read this kind of stuff and not get the clear feeling that you are indeed persona non gratis. He's talking about the fact that, you know, as Reformed Baptists for him, Federal Vision, they may say that they could be included in it, but they're not really part of their being uh, dismissed for their beliefs by the Federal Visionists. But he also says about the Federal Vision stuff that he's quoting, how can anyone not read this as blatant, unvarnished sacerdotalism that stands in opposition to the gospel? And he says that the Catholicity of, of these views, Federal Vision views that say that anyone can be included, in, including Reformed Baptists, it says it dies a thousand deaths, by the uh, the last line, so this last line about it, because I don't really get the idea that monstrous version means another perfectly acceptable view, nor do I get the feeling that there's a lot of warmth to be found in the phrase his Baptistic co-religionists. So he's he's talking about there that federal vision is a problem. He calls it a a opposition to the gospel, denial of the gospel, and that there there is not a just let's get along with each other possible with these beliefs. And I think he's right. He made the right statement at that point about the dangers of federal vision as a threat to the gospel, and that's a danger, and it's not just a Presbyterian problem. As we mentioned before, uh, Doug Wilson has said that Baptists can be federal visionists too. And the reasoning is, it doesn't matter according to Doug Wilson's view of, of federal vision, whether or not you are baptized as an infant or baptized as a professing believer. You know, the, the rest of the Federal Vision beliefs and understandings of justification, of covenant faithfulness, of perseverance and apostasy, all those can still apply perfectly well to anyone, regardless of how you got into the covenant by baptism. And what's concerning, and one of the reasons that Colleen and I wanted to talk about this, is that Federal Vision is influencing many Baptists right now because of the connections between Doug Wilson and his various organizations and um go with cross politic and the connection to Founders Ministry and and others, there's there's several organizations that are kind of coming together as co-belligerents, right? But this has been going on for a long time. Uh, Doug Wilson and many other members of his uh, family and organization have written for Desiring God for Years. And, you know, very famously, John Piper has said that Doug Wilson gets the gospel right. He says that Wilson gets a bad rap. From the PCA guys. And what's interesting, and, and one of the things that, that is a, a connection that I think we should be aware of in these discussions, is that Piper himself has been influenced by by similar views. I'm not saying that Piper is federal vision, but he has been influenced by by similar um, uh, strains of thought about justification and the covenant of works. His don't come directly from Norman Shepard, his come by way of Daniel Fuller who he was a student of. um, Fuller rejected the covenant of works and taught, and this is a quote, that Moses was justified by the work or obedience of faith. Good works are made the instrumental cause of justification. And Piper says that no book besides the Bible has had greater influence on my life than Daniel Fuller's The Unity of the Bible. And he said that when he first read it, God's law stopped being at odds with the gospel. And the whole question of how saving faith relates to obedience was transformed. Obedience is not just tacked on to faith as disconnected evidence, he said the life-changing effects of Fuller's unity of the Bible are not a fluke. Some years later, Piper wrote Future Grace and he said in it that Daniel Fuller's vision of the Christian life as an obedience of faith is the garden in which the plants of my ponderings have grown. And you see this consistently through articles that uh, John Piper has written uh, across across the years Um, I came across it in an article on Desiring God. Uh, It was called, Does God Really Save Us by Faith Alone? And Piper says in, in that article, In the final salvation, at the last judgment, faith is confirmed by the sanctifying fruit it is born, and we are saved through that fruit and that faith. And he goes on to say that works are necessary for final salvation. He says, Paul calls this effect or fruit or evidence of the faith, the work of faith and the obedience of faith. These works of faith and this obedience of faith, these fruits of the Spirit that come by faith are necessary for our final salvation. No holiness, no heaven. So, he says, we should not speak of getting to heaven by faith alone in the same way that we are justified by faith alone. Another article on Desiring God uh, not by Piper, but referencing these this discussion with Piper says, But what about being saved by faith alone? You're not. You're justified through faith alone. Final salvation comes through justification and sanctification, both initiated and sustained by God's grace. And that division of the two, two stages of justification, an initial justification and a final justification, or call it final salvation, is that same kind of two-stage justification that we see from shepherd and also then in federal vision. The problem is, as we've talked about, that Paul clearly says that we are saved, not just justified, but saved by faith alone and not by works, and that's in Ephesians and in Galatians, Paul says, you know, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the faith? Now, as we talked before in the last episode, justifying faith will always be accompanied by good works. But these good works are evidence and necessary, but they don't earn us our salvation. They are ne- the evidence is for our sake and the sake of others in the church. It's a means of assurance and a means of confirming us as believers. In the Heidelberg, you know, why can't our good works be our righteousness before God, or at least part of our righteousness? And the answer is, because the righteousness which can pass God's judgment must be entirely perfect and must in every way measure up to the divine law, but even our best works in this life are imperfect and stained with sin. So then how can our good works be said to merit nothing when God promises to reward them in this life and the next? And the answer is, this reward is not earned, it is a gift of grace. So, I think that because of John Piper's understanding and teaching on justification, um, that, and his influence in the Reformed Baptist world, in the, the Calvinistic Baptist world, that there is, there is a willingness to overlook some of the danger in federal vision because it looks similar. There are aspects that are similar to what the federal visions are teaching, to what Piper says about justification. And so, you know, then if you say, okay, well, you know, the justification stuff, we're seeing the same thing, then the rest of it then is, well, you know, that's just about the differences in baptism. But neither of these views, neither the Federal Vision's view of justification, nor Piper's explanation of justification, neither of these are confessionally historic, re- historical, reformed, orthodox views of justification – So, the danger is there, regardless of whether you're Presbyterian or Baptist or whoever you are in this discussion, the danger is still there.
1: I know that we're going to upset some people with what Rachel just said, and there's a couple things I want you to pay attention to, even if you have to rewind after I talk here and re-listen to what Rachel just said, um, because these are very significant things. First of all, Piper's denial of the covenant of works— And we talked about that earlier, we talked about that last week, what that means. Um, And then secondly, is when he talks about obedient faith. We've already said that faith is defined as knowledge, assent, and trust. When you suddenly make faith obedient, it completely changes the definition of faith. It completely changes what you mean when you say, I'm justified by faith alone. So... I understand that there's people out there that want to defend Piper. There's even some people on the reform side that have taken time to vigorously defend Piper and try to say, Piper is reformed in his understanding. You can't be reformed in your understanding if you deny the covenant of works. You cannot be reformed in your understanding if... If you talk about obedient faith, because it changes the definition of faith. These are very important things to consider. I want to play a clip from another Baptist, and that's Phil Johnson. He works at MacArthur's Church and with Grace to You. And he did a message on the new perspective on Paul. And in that message, he has a really great little segment about the problems with Norman Shepard and Federal Vision. In the audio clip, you'll hear him refer to as Auburn Movement. One of my great concerns with Wright and others who have followed his lead, such as Norman Shepard and the Auburn Avenue Movement, one of my great concerns with them is this. Their notion of covenant faithfulness where a person maintains his membership in the covenant by legal means through obedience and looks for a final justification that is at least partly grounded or based on their own life of obedience, human works, that smacks too much of Neonomian legalism for my tastes because it turns the gospel into a new law. And indeed, one of the things these men have tried to do is obliterate any distinction between gospel and law. I really appreciated Phil's comments there. One of the things I wanted to mention is there is a Reformed Baptist, Brandon Adams, and he has put together a great little timeline snapshot of the justification debate. And so um, I'm gonna link that also in the episode notes. We're gonna move on to another thing that, oh, I've seen this probably five times this week. No one really understands Federal Vision. I've seen this actually from several Baptists. Okay, so first of all, Federal Vision is not so nuanced (laughs) that when we have several denominations that have responded to it. The OPC, PCA, URC, URCNA, RCUS, and even others have responded to Federal Vision, as we talked about last week. They called it unbiblical and contrary to the confessions. And I encourage people to look at those denominational reports. You can find for some of them summaries also. And when those denominations have responded to it, there's a couple of things that they've responded to. They've responded both to the joint declaration because I think ultimately that's where it's defined. And they've also responded to things that Federal Vision proponents have written and said. One of the things, Rachel, I kind of want to quote you right now, because you have a little uh, graphic that you put together based on something you wrote called the rhetoric of the heterodox. And I want to read it now because we're going to this will come into play as we continue on in this episode. You say every heterodox theologian in history, back to Arius, will eventually respond the same way to critics. You've misunderstood because. I'm using the same orthodox words you use, except, and I'll, I'll continue. You, you don't say this, but except they're redefining them. <laughs> and which you go on to say, I've changed the meanings. So yeah, we may disagree, but. But, and then it's can't we just all get along? And this this is what happens over and over. I see the same thing over and over again when we're talking about these things.
0: And I want to I want to say something real quick. I'm and you know, Kalina, we're not making a statement about the individual faith of the various people that we're talking about. They may absolutely be sincere believers. I am not. That is not what we're discussing. We're discussing what they are teaching and how these teachings depart from reform doctrine. That That is the, the scope of this discussion. So, you know, don't hear me ta- say this about what I've said about Wilson or Piper or any of these other guys and say, oh, you're saying they're not a Christian. That, that's not my place to stay and I'm not making that statement.
1: The thing I keep thinking about is these are the very things that Luther and Calvin and the reformers were fighting for is a correct understanding of justification by faith alone. That's why we have the five solas. And I do hear all the time, you're misunderstanding. So I'm going to read something from a Reformed Baptist blog, which actually goes back to what we're talking about, and I will link this in the episode notes, whether it's a threat to Reformed Baptists. Federal Vision guys can constantly complaining about how misunderstood they have been and blaming everyone else for misrepresenting them when the real problem is their constant redefinition of historical theological terms and categories while at the same time claiming to believe in the historical meaning of those same terms. I don't think that they're being misunderstood at all. I think they're being called on the fact that they are deliberately playing all kinds of language games. And even if they are being misunderstood, whose fault is that? It is their own fault. And this actually goes back to that um, quote that I read from you, Rachel. You had talked about in our first episode how the denominational responses that you see so many similar things. Those were independent. They were The denominations were not working together in their responses. And yet they were able to come up with so many of the same points that they took issue with.
0: The proponents of federal vision, and even those who want to, you know, deny the label, but still believe the same things, have had 15 years to redefine, to explain, to, you know, if if everyone is misunderstanding in the same ways, right, then, then you know, my, my mom's professor when she's teaching a class, if everybody on a test got the same answer wrong, got the same question wrong, she recognized the fact that it was a failure on her part to communicate the question well, or to, to explain the material well. And so when everybody misunderstands you in all these denominations the same way, then you have to step back and go, what am I not saying? If you really are being misunderstood, what am I not saying? Well, what have I done that's leading this way? And then you redefine. And they've had all these years to do it, But none of the redefinitions
1: have actually answered the concerns. And that's part of the problem, is the redefinition of terms, which changes the whole meaning of what sounds like orthodox statements. So, Rachel, Federal Vision doesn't have an objective definition. And then part of that, Doug Wilson isn't as bad as the other guys. Could you respond to those?
0: First off, as we said from the beginning, and we said it last week, and we'll say it again today, there are differences within those federal vision proponents, right? They they have differences of opinion, they have de- varying degrees on different things. But when you look at it, the consistent teaching over the last 15 years, there are the basics that we've talked about. And these basics are the same. And they're being consistently taught without a, you know, none of these guys have come out and say, you know what, I was wrong, I shouldn't have said it. And I, I believe something else now, it, none of that has happened. So you have the joint federal vision declaration, which All of what we've talked about and all of the denominational reports uh, use that as the basis when they when they talked about what was being taught. But beyond that, you have books. And of course, in the last 15 years, these go back to like, you know, the the heady days of, of blogging in the reform world. And there are countless blog posts. There are lecture series by many of these guys explaining federal vision. So they've had lots of time and lots of words to explain. So, while there is not complete agreement and lockstep between every one of these guys, there is a consistent, basic set of beliefs, core beliefs, that they all still hold to. One of the reviews uh, of Reformed is Not Enough talks about this fact about Wilson, and it says, To the untrained eye, his arguments may sound cohesive, helpful, and clarifying. To the trained eye, his arguments are heretical, and his work demonstrates his theological and historical ignorance. And he also says, it should be noted at the outset that Wilson affirms many orthodox doctrines in the book. He says he believes in these things, but he continues to redefine them throughout the book. And, you know, this is where he can say, and many of them do, they'll say they affirm justification by faith alone, but they have redefined justification and faith so that it means something else. And, you know, this is, uh, you know, from Psalm 119, it says, I hate the double-minded, and scripture also says, let your yes be yes and your no be no we should be upfront about what we believe. It shouldn't be one of those things that we need a secret decoder ring to determine, you know, how to, how to parse and determine what the statement really is and what it means. And it, it goes back to, again and again, the redefinition of the terms.
1: You know, Rachel and I love the video from Lutheran satire on the Trinity, and I'll actually link it in episode notes. I'm sure most of you have seen it. If I use the word Trinity, and yet I mean something different – then it completely changes what we're talking about. So, I, I was thinking of that as a good example of what happens when you redefine something. And I've there's even people out there that will say, oh, yeah, I believe in the Trinity, but they redefine what they mean by it. And so, having correct definitions is essential to having correct theology. Yes,
0: it, it really is.
1: I'm going to respond to, because this is… A lot of people know that my husband um, grew up in Lutheranism. He was baptized in the LCMS. He was actually adopted through Lutheran Social Services and baptized shortly after adoption. And um, some people know that Rod Rosenblatt from the White Horse Inn is grandpa to my niece and nephews and someone that I have a close relationship with. And so I've had some federal visionists come to me with kind of gotcha like oh isn't federal vision just like lutheranism so i'm going to respond to that okay so lutheranism is built on a very different framework than reformed theology and so for starters that's what is a significant difference um federal vision is trying to make itself reformed it's not but it's trying to make itself reformed so lutherans do believe in a version of baptismal regeneration, they do believe in a version of apostasy, and, but again, very different frameworks. But one significant difference between Lutheranism and Federal Vision is that Lutherans have a monergistic theology. And I'm actually going to link an article from a Reformed theologian showing that Lutheranism is monergistic. Federal vision is not monergistic. Federal vision depends on our obedience to the end. So not going to go in detail on that, but that, that is where there is a very big difference, is that Lutheranism can hold to the five solas based on the definitions that the reformers intended. Federal vision cannot. And let's look specifically at sola fide, because that's what we're really talking about here. Because Sola Fide, Lutherans are going to affirm the historic definition of faith. Federal Vision redefines faith. And so when Lutherans say Sola Fide, faith alone, then they're talking about what we're talking about in the Reformed world. When Federal Vision says Sola Fide, faith alone, they're talking about something very different. They're talking about an obedient faith. They're including works in with faith. Federal Vision is over, Rachel. It's not an issue anymore. And one of the things I like to,
0: to quote, it's paraphrasing a movie quote, but to say that the greatest trick Federal Vision ever pulled was convincing the reformed world it doesn't exist. And it's the truth. Like it, These resources are still being sold. These discussions are still being had. These beliefs are still being taught. These men and their beliefs are still writing and teaching and... Speaking on these topics, it has not gone away. Um, as As things have morphed and gone from, you know, Shepherdism to Auburn Avenue to Federal Vision to whatever it's going to be called next, um, it's still there. It's it just system itself and the guys who the proponents of it like the ambiguity of saying that it's not there, it's not anymore, it doesn't exist, it never did exist. If it didn't exist, if it wasn't a thing, then why did they have conferences on it? Why did they write papers on it? Why did they write a book with federal, as describing Federal Vision? Why did they have lecture series on it? Why do they still discuss it? It's, it's still around.
1: And why did so many denominations have to respond to it? Precisely. So, this is a big one. Uh, I saw a conversation where somebody said, Doug Wilson is Federal Vision, and a well-known Baptist came along and said, that's slander. He says he's not Federal Vision anymore. And that's because of an article he wrote called Federal Vision No And read that article carefully. I've been perplexed that people think that that article means he no longer holds to those things. Because he says these things in that article. I have decided after mulling it over for some years now to discontinue identifying myself with what has come to be called the federal vision. I would still want to affirm everything I signed off on in the Federal Vision Statement. And if you want to know what that means, go read the Federal Vision Statement. Listen to the Reform Brotherhood podcast where they go through point by point on the Federal Vision Statement. And as far as I'm aware, he has not taken that back, that he wants to still sign off on everything he did in the Federal Vision Statement.
0: Well, What I find um, ironic about this is that and you know it's very common today to talk about in our our culture to talk about identity. And I want I I am this, but I identify as that. And you know even especially within you know the more conservative, you, you, there's a lot of jokes made about that. You know, you know I I identify as a as an Olympic uh, swimmer or whatever. I'm clearly not right. But this this language of you know I I still believe everything, but I identify as something else now. Is, is the same kind of talk? It's the same kind of language that you know the cultural warriors would argue against. That um, it's just, it's ironic to me to see that that well we just we changed the name so that's not us anymore. It, <laughs> you can call it what it is, whatever you want to. The, the what it is is still the same, and it's interesting to me that you know I, I got into theological blogging and and such uh, a decade ago. And I've worked, before I worked with the Aquila Report, I worked with Wes White on his blog, uh, for those who still remember blogging. And he wrote a lot about, Wes wrote a lot about uh, Federal Vision at the time. And, you know, going on 10 years ago now, Wes wrote this. He said, the Federal Vision is not a badge that people want to wear in the PCA. So what would you do if you were pro-Federal Vision? You would not defend it publicly. You would bide your time. Eventually, you could come back with the same views under a different name, and the debate will once again open up. This has been done in the past. Shepherdism simply morphed into the Federal Vision. So, while some proponents have left the label, they have not left the doctrine. They're still teaching and practicing Federal Vision. They, federal vision. They're still continuing to practice paedo communion in their churches. They're still selling Federal Vision resources. Uh, and a lot of the ones that were originally sold under Canon Press are now under Athanasius Press, but they, many are still also there under Canon. And Athanasius Press is, is through Steve Wilkins Church, so a CREC church, it's their uh, publishing house, so a lot of it, the resources are there. But Canon Press still has a whole series on YouTube with Doug Wilson discussing federal vision. These, these are still there. It's still still being taught and propounded on.
1: Uh, Just this last weekend, I had a discussion with a Baptist, just on Facebook, a discussion with a Baptist who is now affiliated with Doug Wilson, and when we were talking about these things, he posted a video from YouTube where Doug Wilson says he believes in justification by faith alone, and I quoted this in more detail on last week's episode, but I'm going to just quote part of it. I'm going to link the RCUS paper in our episode notes. And that that paper I especially appreciate because it goes through um, each of the proponents and shows quotes from them. But what they say is Doug Wilson argues that he holds to the historic Reformed doctrine of justification by faith alone. And they give a lot of, of different examples. And they say on the surface, this appears to be consistent with the biblical biblical doctrine of justification. However, there are statements by Wilson that indicate that his understanding is at best efficient. It is necessary to examine other things written and weigh these things above claims. There are good reasons to doubt the accuracy of Wilson's claim that he holds to the historic Protestant doctrine of justification by faith alone. And we talked last week how he goes on to say that good works are an instrument. And again, we're talking about understanding the correct definition of faith. They also say, if Wilson is going to be clear of heresy, he must renounce his errors and confusion and truly affirm the historic Protestant doctrine of justification by means of faith alone apart from works of any client. Any kind, including the work of baptism. One thing I'm going to say is that um, a lot of people bring up quotes from Wilson, more current quotes. But again, books like Reformed is Not Enough, which have Federal Vision all over it, are still sold at Canon Press. And if Wilson wanted to take that off the shelves, he could do that. There are audio series that teach Federal Vision sold by Canon Press. Pedal communion is still practiced in Wilson's church, and unless he has changed his view and not made that public, that is based on the view that children are united to Christ in baptism.
0: I wanted to add here that, you know, just like you had that discussion, um, I've been called a liar by a Napark elder for saying that Wilson denies justification by faith alone based on our discussions here, and nothing that I've said about… Doug Wilson and what he teaches on justification is contrary to these statements that our NAPARC denominations have made. The PCA, the OPC, the others have all made statements that say very clearly that this is a denial of justification by faith alone. And I would, I would like to encourage my uh, NAPARC brothers to be careful about defending Wilson and his, his teachings and the other Federal Visionists and their teachings. Um, against and contrary to the statements and the studies that were done by our denominations, that you know these things have been found to be outside the bounds of reform doctrine, outside of our standards, and you know we should we should want to be careful about how we um, or what we're upholding when we're making these statements and in, in these discussions and these debates on this issue in particular. One set of views have have been called out of bounds by NAPARC and the other is is teaching consistent within NAPARC teachings. And so, again, I'm just calling on us, our my brothers in the NAPARC denominations, to be very careful about who we're
1: defending and what we're saying publicly in these discussions. We should go back to the statements that our own denominations have stated. So, uh, we spoke about this briefly earlier, but this is one reason we're doing this episode is I talk to a lot of women and I see a lot of conversations from women because of the theology gals group and I have seen Baptist women using federal vision language and and yet I hear well federal vision isn't have anything to do with baptist with baptists because a lot of people think that federal vision just has to do with the sacramental views they think it has to do with pa- just paedob communion we've already kind of shown that that's it has to do with more than that. Rachel kind of spoke in detail even. And I will say I've been very concerned to see so many Baptist founders ministry, um, G- the G3 conference, and others unifying with Doug Wilson. Um, I'll hear Baptists say, well, I know Doug Wilson says some concerning things, but he has some good things, too. He's really good on the culture wars, And so we're going to talk about whether this is a threat to Baptists. So there are aspects. We've talked a lot about justification. And Baptists absolutely can hold to the Federal Vision views on justification. And they can even hold to modified views of Federal Vision on the sacraments. They might not baptize babies, but they can hold to the view of baptism and baptizing adults or older people that have made professions of faith that baptism is an entrance into the covenant, that it that it causes that you're united with Christ in baptism. And uh, Ra- I think Rachel mentioned earlier that there's a video on YouTube where I think it's, um, can Baptists be Federal Vision? It's a, like a two-minute conversation with Doug Wilson, which he affirms that they can. One of the things, too, is that we talked about a few weeks ago about first tier and second tier doctrines. That when we're talking about justification by faith alone, that's a first tier doctrine. And so, when an organization like Founders or G Three is part partnering with Doug Wilson or Cross Politic, and yes, I'm naming names here, um, you're giving credibility to them. And so, when you have them speak at your conferences and are involved in other ways with your ministry. Then someone says, "Well, I trust founders, and they wouldn't have anything to do with Doug Wilson if he wasn't sound." I'm going to go check out some Doug Wilson's book, Doug Wilson books. You're giving credibility to them, and a, a big thing. And I'll ask you: This has been said so much. You're just doing guilt by association. You're accusing guilt by association. So is that true, Rachel? Are we just doing guilt by association?
0: If we were doing guilt by association, right, when then we would be saying that everyone like all these guys just by partnering have become federal visionists. And I don't and that's not true, right? Clearly they hold their own views um, that are separate. But also, you know, again, when Colleen says this is a first order doctrine. What we're saying is that the the level of error is so serious that what what, what these guys are teaching, even if they aren't teaching it in this Aspect Like, you know, the, in this conference that they spoke at with the Baptists, they didn't mention Federal Vision. By partnering, again, it does give the credibility to their, the rest of their teaching and to them. And it is, the error is so grave that we should be very careful about associating with it because of the harm that it will do to those who are unsuspecting and don't realize the danger of what the rest of what this person teaches, right? There's a verse in Titus 3, it says that reject a factious man after the first and second warning, knowing that such a man is sinning, being self-condemned, right? The idea is, these teachings have been clearly rejected as being divisive, that they are contrary to scripture, contrary to historic Reformed teaching, and or historical Reformed teaching. And what we're saying that is, if we partner with them, with these people, without Without care, if we take them in and promote them and associate and align ourselves with them, then we are ignoring the warnings that have been given by our other brothers in the in the faith who have said this teaching is dangerous and what they are teaching, what they believe, and what they're doing is dangerous. And you know, I'll give an example. Um, We mentioned James White and what he said about Federal Vision in 2004. He had a debate with Doug Wilson a few years back now that you can still find on whether or not Roman Catholics are our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Um, Wilson was arguing, yes, they are. Uh, James White was arguing, no, they aren't, right? And I'm not making a statement here as to which side was correct, just this is the discussion that was made. Um, As we've discussed here, the Federal Vision makes the same errors about justification, baptism, apostasy, apostasy as the Roman Catholic Church. And if they aren't, if the Roman Catholic Church aren't our brothers and sisters in Christ because of these teachings, because of the, the inclusion of works into salvation, why are our Federal Vision guys, brothers and sisters, as co-belligerents, right? Why should we align and fight with them, alongside them, if they are making the same errors that we would rightly reject with the Roman Catholic um, doctrines? And so, you know, is this guilt by association? No, it is warning that there is real danger, right? It's like, you know, the person standing on the edge of the boat saying, iceberg straight ahead, you know, there is real danger, and we need to be careful.
1: And there is a difference between guilt by association, as you laid out. When I am recommending a teacher, if I were to recommend a teacher that denied the Trinity, I hope that you would take issue with me. I shouldn't be recommending a teacher that denies the Trinity. Um, I was thinking of Ephesians 5.11. It says, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. And so this isn't guilt by association when uh, teachers are recommending teachers that teach potentially a false gospel. We're talking about what's talked about in Galatians. It's serious stuff.
0: It is serious, and, and I do want to, you know, make the same caveat that I did earlier. I, I do believe that there are people in, in all denominations that you can name, and, and even within the Catholic Church, individuals who are true believers who whose faith is solid and found in Christ alone. And, you know, so I'm not making, again, a statement about the, the faith of these individuals that we've discussed. What my concern is, and what Um, the danger is, is that the system that they are teaching will lead people astray. And I think that 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 is something that is serious enough that it's worth sounding the warning and worth um, separating ourselves from this error in order to protect others.
1: And one thing that's happening quite a bit, Rachel, I'm sure you've seen it, is there's pastors and elders in NAPARC denominations There's Reformed Baptist pastors that are defending proponents of federal vision as if they aren't. And I think this is really important and a call to elders in NAPARC denominations. You should be really careful about defending proponents of federal vision and make sure you understand and have read the study reports from your own denomination This is something that my own NAPARC pastor has brought up, to beware of the proponents of federal vision. And we're not talking about differences in eschatology. We're talking about very serious um, differences here. Foundational. Essential. Absolutely. Um,
0: And that's, you know… We all have, it's in our vows in becoming a member, we all have a responsibility to promote the peace and purity of the church, but our elders have uh, an even greater responsibility as shepherds to protect the sheep, to defend the flock against both wolves from the outside and wolves from the inside. And I just, I would want to call on our elders to, to take their responsibility seriously in protecting, um, protecting the flock from these false teachings.
1: One thing I've seen recently that has concerned me is even some Park elders saying, oh, I thought Doug Wilson was bad, but, you know, he's not so bad. And I hope that we've shown that he affirms things, especially by redefining them, that are not consistent with our confessions. You know, the, that, that concerns me a lot, that um, we've got Park elders that are... Promoting federal vision proponents And one thing I want to say I think we said this in episode one Is if any proponent Of federal vision really No longer holds to it What would be necessary And I've seen people That have held to something And changed their view And they usually put out a paper Saying this is what we once believed And this is what we now believe And I was in error Previously and I think something like that would be necessary.
0: And I would welcome that, right? Like, I wouldn't, if that, it, for a true return, right, a, a true change of heart and a humble return to to orthodoxy and, and to, you know, the doctrines as we've understood them with and talked about them as far as justification and, and all these, you know, that would be… That would be the best thing, right? I would be thrilled to see that kind of a response from people who had formerly held to these views.
1: One of the things that's happened, and it's happened to me specifically, is accusations about what we believe. I've been called an antinomian. I've been accused of not believing in James. And I think we really want to make it clear that we affirm the things in the Reformed Confession regarding justification, regarding sanctification. I saw somebody say, oh, Colleen denies the third use of the law. That's just simply untrue, completely untrue. And I think sometimes when these discussions come up, there's things that are asserted, asserted that are simply not true. Maybe, Rachel, you can just kind of end our discussion here by talking about what it is that we do affirm. Well, Uh, we
0: affirm um, all that our our churches teach uh, about uh, salvation by faith alone, through grace alone, uh, in Christ alone. Um, We believe in the uh, inerrancy of Scripture, and we believe in the hope of the resurrection, and we believe that as Christians we are called to a life of humble obedience and that the Spirit is at work in us both to will and to want, and He changes us, and he has. we will do the good works that He has provided for us to do. And that at the last day, when the judgment sounds, uh, we will stand clothed in Christ's righteousness with nothing to fear from the judgment, because we stand on His merit alone and not on ours.
1: Amen. I think that's a good place to end. I hope this was helpful in both week one and week two, I'm going to link lots of different resources. Please check out that, these resources. I know that this is a lot to grasp and understand. I'll maybe put some stars by the mm-hmm. most important resources, I guess, because it's going to be a lot. But I hope that if you're listening to this, you will take time to understand the things that we're talking about so that when error comes your way, you're able to recognize it. So thanks for joining us.